Well, I trust that you've had a good week. Um, I was so appreciative last week of Pastor Grant as he was speaking on a devotional life and how important that is and the fact that we really need to get at it. Let's stop talking about it. Let's get at it. And some of the things that we've been talking about prayer and this morning we're going to be talking about worship. We're going to be talking about God's word at some point. How important these are in our devotional life and it's in order for us to stay at it, we, we need to get at it and uh, how important that is. Uh, today we're talking about worship, and I want for you to remember two things, the two profound elements of worship, which are celebration and proclamation. Celebration, celebrating all that God has done for us, and then proclaiming that. Those are the two motions. The celebration that it comes into us through worship, and then the proclamation of us proclaiming that. Worship is a celebration to be experienced and a celebration to be proclaimed. Worship makes a difference to an unbelieving world. Worship makes a difference to an unbelieving world. What are some of the more spectacular things that you've observed in your life? I've asked that question to some of our folks that are online, and we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. And some of you have answered in that, but I would like some answers from the rest of you. What are some of the more spectacular things that you have observed in your life? And some of these have been prompted already. Um, somebody has said uh, Jacob's Ladder on the ocean at Peggy's Cove. Uh, the birth of my grandchildren. Uh, let's see. That's it for now. The rest of you, what are, some of the, what are some of the spectacular things that you've observed? This is where I ask the question and then you respond. Just, I want to keep, yeah, keep you engaged. What are some of the spectacular things that you've observed? Niagara Falls. Hey, why don't you put that up? There it is, right there. You asked for it, we got it. Anybody else want to have a stab at anything? What is it, who? The Northern Lights. No, I didn't have that one. All right. <laughs> Somebody else? Oh, it's come from everywhere. What? The Rocky Mountains. I had a picture of that, but I chose not to put it in there. And who else? Grand Canyon. I'm going to get to that one. And you guys will have to arm wrestle to see who won that. All right. Newborn babies. All right. Well, I didn't have that one up there either, but that, we had grandchildren already, so this is, this is wonderful. So Niagara Falls, and then I, I put fireworks, and then I put um, sitting on a dock, just looking out over the, over the water. Is it bigger there? My screen doesn't... All right, yeah, looking out over the water. And then um, I, I pulled up a couple setting suns. Oh, there we are. How did we get in there? Um, that's, what's that? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, my, your spouse, that would be an important one for sure. For sure. Spectacular. Spectacular. The word's right in my mouth. So um, that is actually the setting sun behind, uh, behind me is into the Grand Canyon. We were there a couple of years ago. The, um, what was interesting about the center picture is a picture looking outside of a condo on, down in Naples, Florida. And this is the sunset there, 
And the interesting part was is that there would be people that would gather there, usually an hour or so before the sun started to set, and they would come and have their wine and enjoy that, that setting down there. And then I had another one, um, Wesley Acres, looking over, the, uh, looking over to the um, Wellington. And then finally, there's another one here. And this is the same kind of location, but this is Wesley Acres as well. There's no doubt that there's something about a sunset. The others are all very, very good. You, you, everybody did okay. You scored 100. So you can go home and just feel really good about that. Um, but there was, there's something about a setting sun. And as the time, and I see this at Wesley Acres, uh, particularly, and also, as I mentioned, in Naples, you'll see people actually start to gather in those locations before the sun begins to set. And some people buy property based on the fact that they can see the setting sun because it's, it's spectacular. As you see, as the, as the sun begins to close, settle itself for the, for the evening. And many people had their cameras, whether it be still camera or a video, so that they could take a look at that, so that later they could enjoy it again. The sense of wonder filled everyone as they watched this unfold. The, the crowd was spellbound. It was awestruck. It was, it was uh, amazed at what they saw as, as the uh, sun was put to bed. And it was kind of magical, I would say. And I noticed that the onlookers displayed, displayed a sense of awe, this, this worship-like quality. They had witnessed something powerful, something that was beyond themselves, because as you watch the sun, you could literally, as, not that you look directly into it, but you, you would see as it gradually began to set that the colors would change and the reflection on the water would change. And it, it was spellbinding. I think sometimes as we think about that, that really that's kind of the, the motion that we would like to see in terms of our worship. That it's something that we, we can't get our eyes off of. It's something that we can't help but to embrace it. When we're worshiping well, we witness something beyond ourselves. Worship is about the other. Worship is about God, and it draws us towards that. Our, our worship team works very diligently at working towards no distractions. No distractions. They, they try their best to do that. Why? Because this is a holy moment, and it's to really to draw people towards, towards God and not, not to ourselves. I know some places where... Um, it perhaps it would be better not to, have, not to have the worship people standing up front. Because sometimes they themselves become a distraction. And to listen to the music. And sometimes we have worship leaders and people at the front, they're clapping because they want to engage you. They want to bring you to a place further along than where you are. There's something that happens when we physically engage in worship. I think I stand better when I sing. I sing better when I stand. Just wanted to see if you're awake. There's something that happens when worship mesmerizes us and catches us, and it's something that we experience that we have to tell others. There's these two components, and, and David, great psalmist, songwriter, writes this in Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God, Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. New Century Version translates, it says, we see this, we'll see this and worship him. We will see him and we will worship him. There are two elements of worship. There is this celebration, which is the vertical dimension, 
David has this experience with God. God has rescued him and has refreshed him. He's experienced the presence of God. And if you've experienced the presence of God, there's something that washes over us. And perhaps you've had those experiences. It, for some of us, it happens during music. Sometimes it happens to us when we read. Sometimes it is when we're out in nature. There's different things that God uses to speak to us during worship. And this morning, as I looked out at you, I saw some of that washing over you. Through the words of that song, thinking about the goodness of God, it washed over you. And some of you, I saw tears in your eyes because you were being engaged by that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that just in a moment. David sings praise to God. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. David was excited. He couldn't contain his joy. He, he had to write it down. He, he was full of happiness, and there was this relief. He had to shout and sing. There was a time when uh, free Methodist people were a little bit more undignified than we are today. Just let's put it that way. We used to be able to, to dance and to clap and to move around like with the best of them. Something has changed. I wish we had a little bit more of that in our bones. A little bit more of that in our feeling. A little bit more willing to ex be expressive. But the problem, it seemed like the pendulum swung and it became so man-centered that it lost its godliness and people were looking more at how well that person could dance or move or shake or whatever it was. See, the, the, there needs to be this balance. David had that in mind, that perspective, that of singing a new song. When was the last time when you wrote in your journal or you wrote something or you thought something that was outside of the normal pattern that you would have? When was the last time you were, that you engaged yourself in a new song? Maybe this year, as you start in January, now is the time to begin to find other ways for you to express your faith. Watching a sunset never grows old. Each person wants to see it again and again, and they keep coming. They drive their golf carts up there, and they look, and they wonder, and they, they took a, take a look at that sunset. Furthermore, David's singing was praiseful. It was worship. David was expressing a, a gratitude to God for who he is and what he has said and what he is doing. For David knew that for him, the source of his good fortune was none other than God himself. It was not him. It was God. So there's the celebration. That's this vertical dimension. And then there's the proclamation, which is this horizontal dimension. And just as there is a vertical dimension to worship, there's also this horizontal dimension. David said, many will see, that is that they'll know God's presence and fear, or they'll revere and they'll be awed by him, and they'll put their trust, or another way of saying that is security, in the Lord, in the Lord. As David praised God, many saw it. They didn't merely hear him, they saw him. And in turn, the same security that David found in God, they too embraced and took for themselves. As David's joy in his worship spilled over to them. How many times have you seen that yourself? Sometimes we wait for other people to, to step up and be that person. Can I just say to you this morning that all of us 
have the opportunity to be worshipers, and we're all called to express that. And I know that we do that in, in various ways, and uh, some of us are more extroverted and more introverted, and we don't want to draw attention to ourselves, and, and I, 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 get all of, I get all of that. One of the things that we need to remember as we think about this term of worship, it's not just what we do in church. This here is to be an overflow of what we're experiencing in our hearts throughout the week. And that's what we're called to in terms of going deeper in our worship life by ourselves. By reading his word, by cultivating these things, by having opportunities to pray. And so that we come here, it's not just a show. It's not, let's just see if we can just get them cranked up just a little bit more so that they kind of go right out of themselves like, woo! That's not what this is about. It is an overflow of what's happening in your life. This isn't the spot that we come to get the jolt to go back out into the world in which it is. That is part of it. But this is the place where we come after having a week of winning for God and come here and we celebrate together the good things that God is doing. And I heard some of that this morning as you shared about the goodness, the goodness of God. We don't just worship here, but we worship in our homes and in other places. And when the church gathers to worship, it also gathers to witness. Worship always includes witness. When people far from God hear those people close to God giving heartfelt praise to God, they cannot help but be drawn to God. They are intrigued. It's like seeing the setting sun. There is this mystery. There is a wonder. There's a marvel. Questions are asked. How does that happen? What is it about worship that draws you to him? What is it about that? Why does that happen? Sparks from the fire of worship ignites dry hearts, causing them to sing a new song and to seek and to praise God. There's two elements of worship. There's celebration, which is the vertical, and then there's the proclamation, us going out and telling others that is the horizontal dimension. There's two products of worship from this psalm, 40 verse 3. Throughout the Bibles, there's a close, vibrant relationship between worship and witness. It's there all the time. It's reflected in two ways. People from God, people far from God are drawn to Christ through worship, and people close to God are compelled to share Christ after worship. Looks like this. And it looks like this. Right there. You got the arrows being drawn to worship, and after worship, there is this component of being uh, sent out for Jesus. Paul told the Corinthian church to worship in such a way that if an unbeliever entered, he's convicted by all and is judged by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God. There's something about worship that begins to soften our hearts and make us more supple to receive the word of God. But part of that is preparation. Part of that is, is that before you ever land your seats in these seats, or those seats, you're taking time and preparation to receive what it is that God wants to say. You're ready when you land here. Our team is often praying for you as you leave your homes. We're praying for you as you land here. We're praying that the arguments in your cars are just very minimal. 
Brian, I told you, we're going to church, and I don't whether you like it or not. Let's go. We're praying for you as you come here. The other passage that's important is the one that is um, in John chapter 12, verse 32, where it's Jesus who speaks. He's talking about, this is where he's talking about his death, but he says, and I, when lifted up from earth, will draw all people to myself. When Jesus is lifted up in praise and worship, lost people are attracted to him. As a pastor, as a church, our goal is to speak about Jesus. Nothing else really matters. The rest is window dressing. We do our best to preach Jesus and to proclaim who he is on all levels so that you understand who he, who he is. When that happens, the unbeliever wants what the believer has. Few people are convicted to Christ on purely and intellectual grounds. The sense of God's presence melts hearts and explodes mental barriers. It doesn't mean that we... Uh, what that means is, is that we need to be prepared to be able to speak about Christ. And we do that by studying his word. We need to be intellectually intact, yes. But we also recognize that by the prevenient grace of God, by God going before, he prepares the heart. And there's something that happens during, in worship during that time. You know, seekers may not understand all that happens in a house of worship. They may not understand the meaning of a song or the significance of communion. But they know joy when they see it. Is there joy in the house of the Lord today? Is there joy in the house of the Lord today? You are part of that. Preparing your heart for that, being ready for that. Could I also say that the opposite is equally true? What happens when a spiritually distant person sees boredom on the faces of the worshipers? The holy yawns. When they see scowls, will they be attracted to Christ through that? Children learn from their parents and others about how to worship. You're teaching them all the time. Long before you even recognize it. Even when they're, they're babes in their mother's arms. What is your posture before, during, and after worship? Do they see that, and do they see that you are engaged? And do they feel as excited to be in worship as you are? <laughs> are you in that place where you're looking at your watch and you're going, holy cow, it's 10.55, is he not done yet? Do they see you hungry? Not for lunch. Do they see you hungry for Christ? And there's no better place for you to be than to have your seats where you are this morning in front and to be part of worship, engaged in it, not being entertained by it. Engaged, not entertained. Spiritually lost people are drawn to Christ through worship. It's so true. The second is, Spiritually saved people are sent out to share Christ after worship. Through worship, lost people come to find Christ. And there's this, sign, there's this, this picture of us coming to worship 
celebrating in worship, and then going out to tell others and proclaiming it. It moves us in that direction. The Bible reveals a correlation between people encountering God through worship and the effect that it had on their lives when they go to share Christ. There's something that happens to our faith when we tell others about who Jesus Christ is. When we tell them what we've experienced in our worship. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, just portions of it, says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. We come in worship and we're sent forth out of worship to go and proclaim who he is. Isaiah was commissioned out of his worship. Matthew chapter 28 I think it's 16 to 20. I didn't have all these verses up there. I'm sorry. First part of this goes, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, it says they worshiped, but some doubted. Then on the screen. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. The Great Commission is the heartbeat of the church. It's why we exist. It informs individual believers in the church to go and tell others about Jesus. The context of this is that it came out of worship. It came out of worship to go and to tell who Jesus is. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 41. On the day of Pentecost, it was the sound of the eternal worship that invaded the upper room. Luke described the sound that it was like a rushing wind. That awesome and beautiful sound was heard by God-fearing Jews from every nation who thought that these early disciples were drunk, but they were speaking the magnificent acts of God. Or as the NIV says, declaring the wonders of God. You could say that the 120 disciples were singing a new song. Were singing a new song. One of the things we could say is, is that for those early Christians, evangelism sprang out of worship. Unbelievers are drawn to Christ through their worship. We are moved to come to Christ through worship, and then we are moved to go and to tell others. There's two challenges for us as worshipers. I'm drawing to a close. What is it that you can do? You can do what people did watching the sunset. Find a good seat each week and meet with God. Whether that seat is here, whether it's there, or whether it's in your easy chair as you work through your devotional life. As you worship him, as you go through those, those, uh, the, the spiritual disciplines of life. Find a good seat, if possible, every day. And from that, during that time, you will come to celebrate. You will come to celebrate. Lay aside your troubles, your anxieties, your fears, and your cares. Celebrate God's gift of mercy and grace. Just what you were saying this morning. God's touch of forgiveness. God's power to lift you out of the slimy pits of life. 
God's provision to set you on firm footing. Sing a new song. Sing a hymn of praise. That's the arrow on the left side of worship. Now, some of you can't sing to save your soul. You told me that. I didn't make it up. It's not because I was listening. It's because you told me that. I'm not making that up. One of the guys that's coming into membership said, I, I'm a terrible singer. I just don't even have me on your worship team. So I, I noted it. I've written it down. That's not going to happen. He said it. Um, but it's other forms of being able to worship. As you speak out words of your love, you, you, that's one of the ways. So come to celebrate. And the, the second one is to tell others about your experience. Worshippers don't just enjoy God's wonderful presence for yourselves, but you are invited to go and to tell others the good things that God is showing you. Call others to come and to join you on the mountaintop of worship, to come into God's presence, to stand before God's throne. That's the arrow on the right side of worship, is taking what you have and giving it to others. One quote that has stuck with me, along with several others, but this one quote, in evangelism class was this, from D.T. Niles. Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread? That is your task as a worshiper of God to go and to tell others what you are experiencing. If you're on the left side, You've not accepted Christ. At some point, you need to cross the line of faith and accept Christ in your heart. If you're on the right side of the word worship, are you telling others about Christ? Are you inviting others into the presence of God? Can I just say that God wants you to, to live on both sides of the word worship? You'll be drawn to him. You are to worship. But here's the kicker. God doesn't want you to stay there. God doesn't want you just to stay in this place where you just continue to fill up, your, fill up yourself. Because what ends up happening is you blow up. I don't think that's true. But I do think that it's up to you. It's really you are commanded to go. That's what he told his disciples. You're commanded to go and to tell others what Christ has done for you. It's like, it's like seeing the setting sun, basking in its splendor. But at some point, you've got to go home. Some, at some point, you've got to go and live out your existence where you are. And in that, you remember. Maybe you have a picture of it. Maybe you've got a video of it. And you remember. The things that we do here Sunday mornings, the songs that we sing, the, the ways that we go through things are not by accident. These things are planned out, sometimes months in advance. And then God just does different things as he prepares us for this day. So as you go, may you be inspired to be and to be all that God wants you to be in terms of worship and in sharing that with, with others. I'm going to ask you to uh, bow your heads. And as you do, I just want to take a moment and pray. Not only for this here this morning. Father, we, just, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, David and his word drawing us into worship. not only into worship, but out of worship, to share that with other people. Thank you for, for that. And I just pray this morning, if there's anyone here this, that finds himself in that place, 
of kind of feeling a bit dry, or in that place where they wish that they were further along than they are, I just pray that they would just share that with you. That, Father, just in this moment, they would call out to you and that you would fill their heart and their minds with you. And, Father, as it would be put as a reminder in the month of January to remember some of the folks that are particularly challenged with mental health, challenged with, at times, maybe feeling not very useful, maybe at times feeling dark or depressed. Lord, I just pray that you would break through into those homes and into the hearts of those individuals that they may know that they're valued by you and into the darkest place, Lord, I pray that you would bring the light of yourself and that you would send others with light so that they can bring you, bring them to you. Lord, I know that you care for all people and that you would go to the uttermost parts of the world to tell people about Jesus. That's what you'd want for us to do. So, Lord, I pray for those individuals this morning that may be here or are listening, that may be at this place where they're just wondering about life is worth living, even. Lord, I just pray, because I know that in a moment, that can change to a positive, just knowing that someone is aware and that you love them today. So, Lord, I pray that you would reach into the depths of some of those situations and shine the light of Christ. I pray also for those of us who may know someone that's like that, that you would help us just to be that person that would speak, to share a kind word, to share maybe even some food, to share whatever you call us to share. And in that moment of us reaching out or us receiving, we would be sharing the gift of Christ and receiving the gift of Christ. Be with your church, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.